the church that uh, I used to serve and used to work with uh, was an older church building. It had a kind of very typical Church of Christ feel, if you will. It was one of those long buildings, had the big arches in the middle, the big arches and the, the wood top, and neat singing building, uh, but it was old. Uh, somewhere a long time when I was working there, we were we decided we needed to replace the fire extinguisher because they were dated. Like I think they were from the 50s. And they were still hanging around the walls. And I every now and I go around and be like, I don't think they don't even have any anymore. So we decided at one point that we'd bring some people in to, to walk around and, and look at stuff. And so we had, I had this guy come in from a local fire extinguisher dealer company. I'm not sure what they're called. Um, an older gentleman. Uh, I've been doing it for a while. We were walking around. And I was showing him the different places where there were fire extinguishers. And we had a baptistry, of course, up in the, the back of our, or in the front top of our auditorium. And it was a really kind of a weird place because you'd walk up on these steps and you had to step down one level, then you step down in the baptistry. Well, I didn't turn the lights on. And we had a screen up, so there was no you know, there was very little, little light. I kept telling him, I said, there's a, there's a step down, and then you go down, down in the baptistry. I said, don't, don't go. And he kept kind of getting close to the edge. And I was like, I said, one more time, I said, there, there's a step right there. And before I knew it, he had put one foot on the step and one foot off the step. And thought he was on, and so he stepped down, and then he went all the way into the baptistry. Now, this was an older gentleman, had one of those uh, down jackets, you know what I'm talking about, had the big puffy stuff in it. As soon as he hit the water, his jacket, I think, soaked up half the baptistry, and so he was laying, he, he, and there's one of those situations, like it was, like you see in the movie, like he, as he fell, he turned around and he looked at me, and kind of put his arms up like this, and I was like, this? And like, what do we do in that moment as he goes straight on into the baptistry, scraping his arms up, rolling around? And, and it's one of those moments where you, you don't know what to do. I'm standing there and I almost frozen in place for a minute. And I, then I jumped into action. I go get him some towels. We have to bandage him up. And he's walking around about 50 pounds heavily. He was with all the water. He's soaked up into his coat. And it's just this moment where he didn't plan on that that day, right? There was no way. It was probably 50 degrees outside, maybe less. He didn't plan on falling in the water. He was not prepared for that. I was not prepared for it. And know those moments where you everything stops and everything goes into slow motion. You just watch it on your you go go forward in front of you, and you don't really know what to do. And so, what do we do with them? What do we do in a moment where life starts to unravel, if you will? Life starts to take turns that you didn't think it would turn. Life becomes something you didn't think it would be, and you're you're all wet. And you didn't intend on being all wet. You're you're at the bottom of the baptistry, you didn't intend on being there that day. Your your life is unraveling right And what what do you how do you step back and say, okay, what well, what am I gonna do now? This isn't where I thought it would be. This isn't where I intended on being. And unfortunately, when we get in those situations in life, we freeze and we don't know what to do, right? We look around and we're like, okay, is there a future? What's next? Where are we going to be? Where are we going to go? Last week, we talked about the reality of understanding the health of our souls, understanding the health of our hearts. As we look back over our recent past, 
And for many of us, even to the last 20, 30, whatever years you want to look at, and we think about all the things that have happened and gone on around us and, and, and all the things that, that we've endured and, and we're lacking. Our souls are lacking in some way. And so last week, we kind of ended with the idea, the first step, when we look around, we end up, we're all wet, we don't know what's going to go, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we have to pause and, and look around and, and look towards Jesus, right? Or for some of us, we have to look back toward Jesus, even though, because many of us have taken kind of a step away from Jesus. It's a move, as we talked about in the last week's lesson, to acknowledge our condition. See, denial does us no good. If we know we're in a bad spot, but we don't ever say that we're in a bad spot, it doesn't do us any good. If we know we're in a bad spot, and those people that are closest around to us know we're in a bad spot, and none of us are willing to talk about it. And so it's very much so about acknowledging who we are, where we are, and asking, as we did last week at the end of our lesson, for Jesus to come and be part of that redevelopment of our life. Part of that refilling of our life. Part of that walk where we invited God back into the conversation. And so last week, is there a problem? Yes, there is a problem. And the solution, if you will, is to start our journey of healing with Jesus, to walk along with Jesus. And this week we want to walk, or we want to build a little bit on that acknowledgement that we're all a little bit lost, regardless of where you fall on that spectrum. None of us are fully full. None of us are where we need to be. None of us are 100% when we look at our souls and the resilience of our souls as bad things happen to us. And so we're seeing that we've fallen in the water, right? We've seen that we've gotten all wet, and we're not where we want to be, and we're not where we thought we would be. And so we need to, just for a moment, maybe this morning, maybe this week, just for the day that we pause. So as I was listening to the book I was telling about last week, Resilient by John Eldridge, one of the things he talks about is when we're lost, the first thing you have to do when you're lost, right, is to stop. And stopping when you're lost kind of feels two things. Number one, it, it helps you understand that you're not going to move in the wrong direction anymore, right? So when we stop, we need to understand, we say, okay, I'm, not, I'm, I'm moving in the wrong direction. I'm going to stop, so don't keep moving in the wrong direction. Or number two, it helps us stop, stop moving in circles, because sometimes, if we're going in the wrong direction, we're just going round and round. He tells a story in his book about him and his son being out hunting on this mountain where there's all this snow and that in the kind of in the more early morning light, and they're walking around, they're seeing all these trails, while they're seeing also they see human footprints, and he's like, oh, I thought we were up here by ourselves. And about five minutes later, it dawns on him that they're walking in circles, and they come over their own tracks. And people get lost hiking generally don't make it. Because they don't know where they are and they won't stop long enough to try and figure it out. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get lost and I stop, I almost panic. Okay, so where am I? Where do I need to go? What needs to be the next step? Where do I need to be? And for some people, it's not just, oh, no, I'm lost. What's next? It's, uh, I'm lost and I'll never be found again. I'm lost, and I don't know what the next level is. And that level of panic, even if it's a mild level of panic, right? Even if it's mild, will lead to us making really, really bad decisions. Decisions that are no good for anyone. So the purpose of a pause, if you will, is for us to try and gain some calmness and some coolness 
and help us be somewhat collected as we endeavor to seek God's will for ourselves. As we endeavor to, to right the ship, to put us back in the direction we need, to head back the direction we need. Because if we keep going and going and going and going, even if we know that we're not in a place, we know we're not headed the right way, we will not get any closer to where we need to. Last week we talked about the kind of the bulk of chapter 10. And in that, Jesus is sitting around with his 12. He's talking about what's going to happen in your future. He's charging you to go out and preach and teach and heal and do all those things. And he's really getting them ready to go out and proclaim the message, his message, that the, the kingdom is here, the Messiah is here. And he goes to great lengths to prepare them to know that what is coming is going to be filled with negative stuff. I think they've been putting it up. To know what is coming is going to be filled with bad things. And so I think it's important at the end of this text, for the end of chapter 10, there's this kind of three-verse interlude that is very intentional as Jesus gets ready to send them out into the world to do what he has called them to do. You're going to proclaim a message that no one wants to hear and that most people won't accept. They're going to treat you badly, but but hear this. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And so if we, if we embrace this as truth, that those who accept the word, accept Jesus, accept God, then the opposite has to be true if we're going to talk in negative terms. If they reject you, they're rejecting who? They're rejecting God. If you go to somebody and they reject you, they're not, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me, and by rejecting me, they're rejecting God. And I don't know if you've heard me say this before. If not, I want you to hear from me now. It's not about me. The Christian walk is not about me. Jesus did not die on the cross so you could go to heaven. Jesus did that for the world. And one of the worst things that we can do is make life, all of life, including our Christian life, be about us. Be only about us. Be only about our desires, our wills, and what's going on with us. Jesus saying, it's not about you. If they reject you, it's about me. And it's about them rejecting me, not only rejecting me, but rejecting God. And I think when we get into deep and dark places in our soul, it's generally because we've taken something personally that wasn't meant to be personal. But you know who wants to believe, wants you to believe that it's personal so that you'll go down that road? The devil wants you to believe that it's personal. He wants you to believe that it is a personal attack on you and your integrity. But if we are to believe what Jesus says here, it's not a rejection of you, it's a rejection of him and his spirit. So when we birth <laughs> When we find ourselves in the depths, the best thing we can do is to pause, regain our bearings, if you will, and focus on what we know is true. And to focus on what we proclaim with our mouths, that Jesus is Lord. Not Joshua's Lord. Not New Garden's Lord. Not you are Lord. Are you but that Jesus is. You see, that's the story of our lives. If we committed to the cause, if we committed to God, if we committed to Jesus, if we proclaimed our allegiance, if we joined through baptism, if this is where we are, then this is what we are saying to the world, that it is not about us, it is about 
job. But are, are you living that out? Am I living that out? Are we collectively living that out? Life is a battle for who will frame your story. Will the frame of your story be the story of God that has been going on since before creation time will continue along that? Or is the frame of your story the world that is temporal? You see, because it can't be both. We can't keep one foot in one place and one foot in the other. I can't keep one foot on the step and the other foot wet in the back street, can I? Like, if I, that's something I've committed to. If I'm going down in there, I've already fallen. It's not, I can't be in both places at once. And the pause is about reorientation. The reorientation is about choosing which story or reorienting ourselves to which story we're going to live into and live out of. Because the battle will be won and lost in our minds. What we spend our time on what we allow to be enter into our story, be part of our story, what we invite to be in us, what we invite to be around us, and what then we invite to impact us. Eldridge maintains in his book, he says, the story of God, and I think this is important, church, the story of God should get more time than anything else in your life. You see, because this is a matter of grounding ourselves in the reality of God. If you spend an hour each day, and I know this probably isn't even close to accurate for some, if you spend an hour each day consuming news of the world, and I'm going to use news loosely. I think it's, I think it's funny. No, I think it's funny that Sunday morning, the airwaves in our nation are filled with what? If you turn the TV on. Political news. We went to the, Lloyd and I go and get donuts, which we serve out here every, every Sunday morning over at a donut shop. And, and for whatever reason, every morning you in there, they've got the news on. They've got political news on. I think it's, I think it's appalling to God that Sunday morning that we say we dedicate to him is still the political garbage. I think it's funny. I think it's sad. I don't think it's funny. I think it's sad. I, I was forced to stand there and listen to it for probably five minutes or in there, and it, I almost made me sick of my stomach. If you spend an hour consuming news from the world, and I'll find that loose, so mainstream media, social media, radio, non-mainstream media, if you spend an hour, you should spend two hours in the Word of God. You should, spend, you should spend two hours reading the Word of God, reading religious literature, listening to podcasts, listening to, to radio that has some fulfilling message in it. You should spend twice the amount of time you spend absorbing what's going on in the world in the story of God. That way, we are reminded twice as much that that is not true. Because we're, change, we're exchanging the truth of the story of God for the truth that somebody is just writing and putting out there for us to see. Because we need to be reminded twice as much that God is still in control. 
regardless of who wants to tell us the sky is falling or who wants to tell us how bad things are, that God is still in control. And the devil has not won, and the devil will not. But if you and if I choose to constantly bathe myself in the news feed of the world, it should be no surprise that one day we look up and we're lost. One day we look up and our tanks are empty. One day we look up and we're not where we thought we'd be and we have no idea how we got here and we don't know how to get back to where we want to be. We just don't know where to And so spend twice as much time in the story of God so that we remind ourselves that we are part of a good story. Because if you listen to anything else, we're part of a what? We're part of a really bad story that's getting worse every day and it's not going to get any better unless you vote for this person, unless you get rid of that person, unless you do this and look back. Stop. Stop. Can't stand it. Stop. Spend more time with God than you do with the world. So how do we do that? Right? How do we do that? How do we cover ourselves so fully in the story of God that frames our story? How do we get so into the narrative that it is our narrative? And I don't want to be too basic because I know that frustrates some people, but it's kind of like last week when we got the end of the sermon last week and I said it starts with prayer, it starts with conversation, it starts with us inviting Jesus to come back and be part of our lives, be part of filling us up to find us back to where we need to be. And so needing to get back into stories as basic as refocusing or focusing once more on the Word. Focusing once more on the story. And so for a few minutes this morning, I'm going to lead us through a little exercise that's just going to be about being in the Word. It's going to be about meditation. Thinking about the Word. And an intentional effort to reframe the story that you and I are living in. And I encourage you to open your mind to the fact that things can be different. I'm going to read Psalm 23 this morning. I want you to listen to it. I don't want you to go up the text. I'm going to read it twice. I'm going to read one first. I'm going to read just the text. The second time, I'm going to offer a little bit of commentary just to draw us through the conversation. Listen, absorb, rave. This isn't mystical. This is being part of the story. This is being part of what God has called us to. And trying to live into the story that God has called us to live into. So Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you, you are with me. Your rod comforts me. Your staff comforts me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now again, a little bit of comment. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. A simple assertion that Jesus is leading. In spite of the chaos that I find myself in, in spite of the darkness that surrounds me, I find myself in Jesus. And I have faith, I have hope, I have peace in knowing that he leads and that I am following him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. If I follow God, God has, God is, and God will pursue. We're going through difficult times, but we are not alone. God is with us. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your God and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You want my head to oil, my cup overflows. Here's the important thing my reality is not determined by the chaos that surrounds me, by the chaos that seems to envelop me. You and I have chosen to live the story of God. You and I have chosen to live in God, and God takes care of us, fills us, even in chaos, even in darkness. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because I choose to walk with God, my future is, listen to the church, my future is wonderful. My future is determined, and nothing can take that from you. Nothing can take that from you. God, for your word, I am so thankful this morning for your, your story that we get to live into. What an amazing thing. May we embrace your story and push away the chaos of the world. May we endeavor to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus states in his teachings that how will his followers be known? By the fruit that they bear, right? They will know that you are Christians by your love. And so if we look at things like, what are the fruits of the Spirit that are talked about in Scripture? What, what is there for us to think about? What, what are we after? Love, joy, peace, contentment. If your current fruit is fear and stress and anger, I think that's one of those red flags we talked about last week. 
And I think it's a direct correlation to who and how your story is framed. And I think it's important before we, we end this morning, go to the table. Verse 1 of chapter 11 may seem out of, out of context here, but the text says, after Jesus got done, Jesus went and did it. Jesus isn't asking us to go do anything that we have not done. Jesus is not saying, hey, go climb that mountain. Hey, go do this, go do that. Jesus said, come on. Let's go. Are you tired? Are you angry? Are you fearful? Are you frustrated? I can't promise those things will be solved, but I, am, I, can, I can promise that there's a better story to be living. There's a better way to be. And so as we go to the table this morning, what a wonderful place to end, right? So that we can endeavor as people to do something better, so we can ever endeavor to be more peaceful. Let's gather and remember that Jesus gave his life not so that we can be angry and resentful and fearful and frustrated, but Jesus gave his life so that we could have peace. Which seems like such a crazy thing in this day and age. Jesus gave his life so that we could have joy. So that we can have a life that is sustaining and not for So encourage each other today. As we gather on the table, come, stay with us.